Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 140 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Melissa Hall about the need for primary care lawyers to answer people's general legal questions. Today's podcast is sponsored by Clio Legal Practice Management Software. Clio makes running your law firm easier. Try it for free today at clio.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. So last week in our episode with Jeff Skrysak, we talked a bit about how lawyers might want to think about their marketing in a way that kind of moves them up what we kind of called the chain in the client journey, which is to I say... I like the client journey metaphor, yeah, by the way, so yeah, I'm, so I'm the, good with that. <laughs> the, the concept of a client's journey being kind of them not yet being aware that they have a problem, them then becoming aware of potential solutions, and then them shopping for lawyers, and that traditionally lawyers have marketed themselves at the point where people are shopping for a lawyer. And we were talking last week about how lawyers should step back a little bit and figure out ways to move up that chain more toward helping people identify problems and figure out what the solutions to them are before they actually are ready to hire a lawyer. And I think today's discussion with Melissa ties really well to that, which is she's come up with a new business model that she's just in kind of the front end of testing. So we'll wait and see how it does, but where she's trying to do that. And so she has rebranded the concept of a general practice firm as primary care lawyer with the idea that she's kind of trying to be the general practitioner or general contractor or quarterbacker, depending on what you, which analogy you want to use, where she's going to help people in small chunks solve their problems, whatever they are, or find the resources they need, whatever they are. And we'll hear more about kind of the details of how she's building that practice. But it's interesting because she's basically building a new business model that flies in the face of our otherwise standard advice, which is whatever you do, don't fucking start a general practice small (laughs) firm. Yeah, we've been telling people for years to have a niche and focus on it and get better at it and more efficient at it. And I think that's really sound because the idea of the traditional general practitioner taking like, you know, a trademark filing one day or prosecuting trademark patents or something one day and then a personal injury wrongful death lawsuit the next day and a divorce the next day, like you you can't competently handle all of those extremely specialized practice areas and maybe you shouldn't even try. But then again, maybe you can do some real good by making those services brief and giving just a bit of advice on the front end. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of the issue in our kind of past general advice is it's not even just that you probably can't be competent to practice in a variety of different areas of law, because certainly there are some people who can practice in multiple areas of law. There are plenty of lawyers who have been a little bit family law, a little bit real estate, a little bit estate planning. But I think the more important issue is going forward as you're trying to figure out what your brand and reputation and marketing can be, you need to have a story about what you do and I take anything that comes in the door is not a story that solves anyone's problem. 
Okay, except, I, I except object. Maybe, except maybe in this case. <laughs> so here's, yeah, because I, I said this to Melissa uh, in, a, in a minute, you'll hear, but like, I think it actually solves other lawyers' problems. The specialist lawyer is constantly getting phone calls from people who have other kinds of problems. And what do you do with them? And, I, you know, I always referred them to people I didn't like very much because maybe the client was not very good. And you kind of don't want to just say, you know, you're in a different practice area and I can't help you. And so you don't have a legal problem because, you know, you want to cover your butt on, on the liabilities end of things. So you refer them to somebody so that somebody else can tell them the bad news. But having a lawyer like Melissa who's like, yeah, yeah, I want all that stuff. I have a business model around it. I would send them, I don't know what kind of calls I got or what kind of calls you get, but you probably get some of these calls. And if you let all of your peers in the community know that you'll take all of the flotsam and jetsam of the client intake, I bet you wouldn't have a whole lot of trouble making your phone ring. Yeah, and I, th I think the interesting part of Melissa's experiment, and it's one that's largely being replicated in different ways by lots of legal clinics, drop-in clinics, and AVO's Q&A services, is not the idea of reinforcing the concept of general practice. It's the idea of short, quick solutions. And so it's not that Melissa's business model is around her taking full engagements on five totally unrelated topics and being pulled in a million directions. It's that if she can solve your problem in a short engagement, she has a business model to replicate that over and over and over again. So like I do a legal clinic around the self-help desk at the courthouse every other month. And it's basically this, right? It's people who have legal, pro it's by definition general, anything that can get done in a courthouse, you can come and sit down and talk to me if you're in whatever income guidelines. And a lot of times people have legal problems. They don't really know what kinds of problems they have. There are forms that they're not sure how to deal with. So sometimes I'm sitting and helping people figure out how to fill out a form. Sometimes I'm referring them to uh, another organization that can help them. Um, sometimes I'm doing, you know, relationship counseling. <laughs> there was a woman recently who wanted to evict her daughter from her home and her daughter was claiming to have a contract for deed and it was really messy. And we ended up talking a lot more about ways out of that problem that didn't involve trying to actually file a lawsuit to evict her daughter. So you get all kinds of crazy problems and it's really satisfying because you can actually give people a little bit of closure after 15, 20 minutes. And there's no competence implications in most of this stuff. You're just helping people sort out their problems that have a legal element to it. And there are a lot of them. And who better to identify when you can't solve it in brief time than a lawyer who can figure it out? Okay, there's a bigger thing here I need to refer it on. So I feel like it's pretty clear there's a need for this. And I think the success of AVO Answers and, and all the clinics and everything shows there's a need for it. It'll be interesting to see if Melissa can prove the concept as a business model, though. So here's my conversation with her. And uh, you won't find out by the end of it. She hasn't proved it yet, but she's testing it and she's intrigued. And if you're listening and you're trying something similar, we'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on whether it's working for you. So here's my conversation with Melissa. My name is Melissa Hall. I am what I refer to as a primary care lawyer. My focus is on connecting people to legal resources, attorneys, and self-help. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today, Melissa. Thank you. So say more about primary care law. What does that mean and where did the idea come from? Well, basically the idea comes from my grandfather. Um, he had an attorney who was just somebody he called up when he had a question, which seems to be something that has completely fallen out of 
culture. I don't know anybody who has that kind of connection with an attorney. And I was thinking it would be really satisfying to be the person on the other end of that phone too. So I've had a couple of life changes and I have some room to experiment. I started sitting down and thinking about how that would work. The general practice attorney is kind of a thing of the past. We've all become really specialized. And I think we're at the point where as a profession, generalism itself can become a discipline. And that's kind of the analogy I'm trying to make to the primary care doctor who used to be the general practitioner, but now the medical system is so complicated. You need somebody to be that first point of contact and to help you sort out what's just a cold and what needs a specialist. I guess I've heard people talk about it in sort of the construction metaphor of the general contractor versus the subcontractor. But I like the primary care analogy a little bit better, I think. Well, let's say that I am not somebody who's like a general contractor. I do not have the specialist knowledge of all of the fields of law, and I'm never going to. Mm -hmm. But I can have enough knowledge to know what's a serious problem and what's a minor issue that people can, you know, sort out themselves or get just a little bit of help with. You know, I think what you're getting at is something that I... Uh, tried, and I don't think I ever successfully tapped into this, but in my practice, I wanted to get back to that idea of letting people have a lawyer that they could say, call my lawyer. Like, you know, people like to say that and they're full of shit because nobody actually has a lawyer. But (laughs) unless you're, you know, unless you're very wealthy and you actually employ a lawyer on retainer, but, you know, lawyers work on a thing at a time. And so you're their lawyer for that issue. But very few people actually have a lawyer and can say, call my lawyer. Well, and also in this world with the internet, people say, ask an attorney, like that's Mm -hmm. a thing that you can just do. I mean, I am an attorney. And if I wanted to ask an attorney, I'd have to think about it and like really work on getting that question answered. In a world where we need attorneys all of the time, it's kind of scary that there's not a methodology for that. Yeah. So uh, we should put the disclaimer on here that you're still kind of in the early stages of testing this idea, but I've heard people talk about the need for something like this for a while, and you're the first person I've met, I think, who's actually really trying to dig in and test it. I, I mean, from the client perspective, what what's the real benefit that you think you deliver? I think what I deliver better than most of the other methods is that it's really easy to ask me a question. That's what I optimize for. I want to make it easy for somebody to contact me, schedule an appointment, get a question answered. That's really all I'm trying to do. So how do you make that easy when contacting you sounds expensive? (laughs) Well, that's why my price is right there on my website. It's on all of my marketing materials. I charge $50 for a 15-minute question. And frankly, most of my calls are 8 to 12 minutes. Yeah. Huh. So, and then... Do you actually represent people on an ongoing basis or is this purely like you're trying to get people in the door to answer those easy upfront questions? I do not represent people on an ongoing basis. I have one or two things that I took on like that. And frankly, it's not what I enjoy. (laughs) We are a profession full of people who like that kind of detailed, you know, work. And I would much rather give that to somebody else. I love this seat of the pants. I don't know what they're going to ask me. Let me come up with a good answer in a short period of time kind of work. Hmm. Generalists are kind of a different breed and I've always been one. I just haven't had a way to practice. So what are the kinds of questions that people have brought to you so far? Um, I have had quite a range, everything from a real estate closing where the current owner was going to hold over to questions where 
an experienced entrepreneur had just kind of gone down a rabbit hole and was concerned about like structuring corporations as a single member LLC. And sometimes it's family law. Sometimes it's, you know, a simple, how do I form a corporation is a question I've gotten. Um, I need a waiver because I'm talking to people for a book. I have a landlord tenant issue. And like, I think this is what's going on. Can you just check that for me? Not having lawyers available has really changed the power balance in our society. Yeah, And it's interesting because there's some cases like landlord tenant where I get involved, where I can really kind of feel like, oh, this is a different balance just because I'm in this situation. So when, when you take those calls, do you feel like you're able to address their problem in that time? Or are you usually making a referral uh, to some, to a service or another lawyer or something like that. There are only a couple of situations where I felt like I needed to make a referral, and those are really specific situations, like closing on a co-op. Mm, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's serious real estate mojo. Basically, a lot of people just want some reassurance and handholding. Yeah, Wikipedia like isn't a very good yeah. and. Yeah, it's very easy to confuse yourself with more resources. Every once in a while, people do have a serious legal problem. But as anyone who's done a legal clinic knows, like 80% of the problems are just needing to interface with the complicated bureaucracy and having somebody sort through it for you. Well, right. You mentioned legal clinics. And like I, I do the self-help desk at the courthouse uh, every other month. And people sit down with me. And in about 80% of the cases, I can solve their immediate problem right then and there. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a lawyer, I can identify you're going to need to come back in three months or a week, or I need to make a referral for you to a specialist. Um, you know, you as a lawyer, you are ideally situated to make that call on, can I help you now? Or do I need to find somebody else who can help you? And it's one of those things where this is what people want from us. Mm -hmm. It's something lawyers complain about, frankly. You hear cocktail party law talked about. Most people just want to have a relatively short conversation. There's just not a good way to do that right now. Yeah. We figured it out for legal clinics, and a lot of people offer like free intakes. It's weird that in a profession that is so concerned with every last dollar, this is business that people are asking us to do that we keep throwing away. Well, and free, it's it's interesting that you mentioned free intakes because uh, free intakes are just like trying to get somebody in the door so I can sell them something more expensive. It's like using Gmail, which is free so that they can sell you advertisement. It's The free intake is great because it gets people in the door, but it's not the thing. You're actually just selling the thing people want, which is I want advice from a lawyer right now. And it's what I want to give them. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part. It's a really satisfying practice for me. So pivoting off of that, um, we talked about the benefit for clients, but uh, my understanding is that part of the reason you want to do this is because you see a benefit in it for you. Mm -hmm. Let me go back just a little bit. A couple of years ago, I was practicing a very specific type of bureaucratic law in Virginia. I moved to Seattle, had to retake the bar exam and got started in this avenue uh, because I have the good fortune of having a couple of years where I don't necessarily have to make a steady income and experiment. And what I want in a practice that I find satisfying, but also where I can shape my practice around my life instead of vice versa. Yeah. So the idea is you can, by doing these sort of brief services, you you aren't getting tied up in months-long litigation representation. Um, you 
but what you need to do instead is you need to keep that phone ringing basically or keep the email inbox chiming. Yeah, I I mean, I have a 6-month-old. My practice is designed to work with that. Mm-hmm. So, I can't guarantee that I will be in court any specific day because babysitting falls through and, you know, life is just complicated when you have a young child. Sure. This means that the time that I know that I have available for this work, I can make available, people can schedule Online scheduling is part of what makes this work. And I can just do my practice in the time that I have and do other things in the other time. Well, let's talk about um, the tools that you use then, because I'm curious about that. Like, how do you make this all work? You talked about online scheduling, but what is the technology or whatever systems that you're using to bring people to you, to answer their questions, to schedule those calls, um, to do follow-ups? Is there anything to it? Online scheduling is one of the things that I found was absolutely essential. I use Acuity, which integrates with Google Calendar. It's very nice that way. Mm -hmm. So anything that it blocks off time that I have something else scheduled in and makes the other time available. Um, It also handles the client experience really well and will even handle uh, invoicing and payment for me. You make people pay in advance, I assume. No. Oh. I give people the option thus far. Um, It's been about 50-50 since I've had the pay in advance option, but I'll be honest, I haven't had any collections issues. The only payment issue I've had is somebody wanted to give me more. Hmm. That's a nice (laughs) problem to have. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of this idea, frankly, formed when I was working at a legal clinic and I saw some people who had resources for an attorney come in because they just had no idea of where to get started. And the whole thing was intimidating to them. Mm -hmm. Giving them a service where they can pay for this kind of advice is actually something that a certain kind of person, and I'll be honest, I live in Seattle, there's a lot of tech money here, Mm -hmm. is happy to be able to pay for because they don't necessarily want to take up the resources of a legal clinic, but there isn't another good way to access this kind of, I don't know what kind of law I need, but I know I need law resource. That's a great way of putting it. Like we assume that everybody is shopping for a lawyer in a practice area that they already know all about. And that's, that's just really not how it works. Well, we have a great legal system for attorneys. You know, we've kind of set up our legal market. So it's easy for attorneys to shop for other attorneys. But it's, it is absolutely not designed around what the client's or the potential clients want and need and how they think about their problems and how they go about trying to find some help for them. It's really set up around um, hire me to solve this very specific problem and you're on your own for the rest. Well, at least for me, one of my personal breakthroughs was when I realized that every single person who calls me is scared. Yeah. Sometimes they're scared because good things are happening in their life. It's a scary time when you're talking to an attorney. It means there's things that I don't understand going on in my life. Yeah, definitely. And when I see my role as helping people deal with the things that they don't understand that's going on in their life, it makes my practice emotionally satisfying as well. And I think that makes a really big difference. So we need to take a few minutes to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, um, I want to talk about kind of how you see yourself building out uh, a network of referrals over time, because it sounds like that's something you'll need. So we'll be right back. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. You could invest in marketing your firm, you could spend more time helping clients in need, or you could catch your daughter's soccer game. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With Clio, tracking time, billing, and matter management are fast and easy, giving you more time to focus on what really matters. 
And Clio is a complete practice management platform with plenty of tools and over 50 integrations to help you automate daily tasks such as document generation and court calendaring. See how the right software can make it easier to manage your practice. Try Clio for free today at Clio.com. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. And we're back. So, Melissa, you've said that so far you've been able to solve most of people's problems uh, on the phone, but you've had to refer out one or two maybe. I'm curious, as this practice grows, I assume you're going to be needing to send more and more things out for referral. Um, do you see yourself as kind of generating leads or taking a cut of those referrals? Um, you know, how do you how do you see yourself doing that? Well, basically, my attitude towards referrals is there's a trust gap when it comes to lawyers. We're expected to be expensive and to bleed people for everything. Mm -hmm. As a result, I have a firm policy that I will never take money for referrals. I think that's part of what people need to know in order to call me so that they don't feel like they're putting themselves on a slab. Um, However, one of the things that I do want to eventually develop is a network that will repay my initial consultation fee to the client. And I've had a few people who are interested in that. So far, honestly, I've been using my solo and small practice listserv (laughs) as my referral source. Um, one of my goals for the next year is to get much more sophisticated and deliberate about referral, but it's hard when you're new to a market as I am. And there is a lot of sophisticated practice in Seattle where most of my clients are not necessarily looking for the person who has the most detailed appellate level experience. They're just looking for somebody that they can be comfortable with. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I suppose over time, you are going to be developing the knowledge of, are those people treating my referrals well, which is so important. Like, the, you know, one of the reasons I hire the contractor I hire when I need work done on my house is because I, I can go and hire the individual subs myself, I guess. I could hire the person to do the drywall. I could hire the person to, um, to you know, do the landscaping or whatever. But if he hires them, um, he brings them business over and over and over again. So they really want to make him happy. They're not going to see me again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only going to do a job like this once or twice. So, And that's an important part of the model is circling back to people I've referred to be sure that the referrals work. Mm-hmm. The other part is, frankly, it's hard to hire an attorney if you're not an attorney. Yeah, A lot of the phrases, a lot of what we market with is, frankly, designed to impress other attorneys. Totally. You know, it strikes me that you're you're doing this as a solo, but it strikes me that any firm of 
some size. I don't know if it's three or five where it starts becoming relevant, but it feels like when somebody walks in the door or or picks up the phone and calls or, or pings your voicemail or email, whatever, it feels like firms might want to consider a role like this where you kind of having an account manager, someone who's responsible for getting the client what they need um, without respect to practice areas. Because it feels like often somebody comes in for a real estate matter, they only ever talk to the real estate attorney um, almost a, a concierge or an account manager, somebody who's responsible for taking that client and making sure their problem gets solved, even if it overlaps different practice areas and things. I don't know. It seems like um, maybe a good idea. Yeah. Frankly, my role at big law firms is often handled by a receptionist. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not actually who you want to be your client's first experience with your law firm. Yes, they're not <laughs> right. an attorney, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be associated with the advice that that person gives. I, I mean, I suppose if you're at a big firm and you're a big corporate client, you probably have the partner who you have a relationship with who sort of functions as that concierge. But there's nobody like that for small companies and small and, you know, individual consumers. Yeah, I mean, I... I would love to see it be a common practice at firms. There is the problem that you do collect a lot of conflicts this way mm -hmm. on very small matters. It's not a big deal to me because I'm a solo and mostly I deal with people. So the fact that I have conflicts against corporations isn't a big deal. It might be a bigger deal to other people. The, you know, that brings up a good question. What do you use to keep track of the contacts that you make and the clients that call in? Because I, I could absolutely see a landlord calling you one week and a tenant calling you the next week on the same problem. Yep. And it is right now, frankly, I use a spreadsheet because most of my Every once in a while, I do have something where there's um, two sides. But a lot of what I have is just people who have questions for how best to order their own lives. Mm -hmm. I end up with conflict in about half of my cases. Really? Yeah. It's part of my intake form. And I don't ask, do you have a conflict? I say, is there anyone who could potentially oppose you right. in what you're trying to do? give me as many details as possible. So I do try to screen before I talk to anybody. And that's been pretty effective so far. When you ask about a conflict question like that, it seems like most people are pretty able to answer it. Well, then that's a very simple example of thinking about it from the client's perspective instead of using lawyer words. <laughs> so what do you feel like is working and not working about this in general? I am not sure that it's going to work financially, to be frank. Um, right now I'm making money, but my expense profile is very low and I'm not making the kind of money you can live off, especially in Seattle, but I'm nine months in and I spent three of those with a brand new baby. So it's early days yet. What I can say is successful is I definitely have a law practice that I enjoy and a practice that works really well with the rest of my life. So at, at 50 bucks per 15 minutes, what you would need to bring in, you know, what, uh, eight to 16, 20 people a day to really make this look like a full-time employment, huh? Well, let's back up a little bit. Yeah. I used to work for the state as a bureaucrat. So my income expectations are very different from a lot of other attorneys. Fair enough. Basically, if I'm bare bones on my cost, I break even after three calls a month. Three calls a month. Three calls a month. So that's break even and everything over that is gravy. Do you have a target for what you'd like to be getting in a month? Ultimately, I would like to do four calls a day. Yeah. And that would allow me to more than replace my previous income. Which is, I mean, it's an hour of work a day. That'd be awesome. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so far, I have a 100% collection rate. So... Yeah, it, it isn't where I am right now in uh, leads. Part of the problem is just telling people that this is an option. 
but I think it's an achievable goal to get four calls a day. What are you doing to get that phone ringing? Like what what's working for marketing so far? There's a couple of tacks that I've taken. Frankly, the best has been to get a couple of advocates who are willing to post on the local neighborhood social media um, system in Seattle next door when people have legal questions. Oh, okay. And it's, those advocates have been really game changers for me. As far as advertising, I have a really basic strategy. The only place I've advertised is roller derby um, programs. Cool. (laughs) Because it's community I'm affiliated with. It's people who are willing to do something a little bit different. And it's a broad spectrum. The other thing that I would really like to do potentially is get other attorneys to recommend me because I want the business they don't. I mean, yeah, you, I've talked about this before. Like we, we all have the lawyer who we refer, we sort of hate refer to. Uh-huh. Um, like this client walks into my office and they clearly got a goofy issue that nobody can ever make money off of. And I sort of hate refer them to lawyers who I don't really like very much. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you, but you actually want those and you have a business model around them. Um, so you would take all those. Right. And I'd be happy to, you know, develop where I send the ones who actually have something you want to deal with back to you. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next for you and for this thing? Are you, are you working on this and trying to figure out how to, how to make it grow and scale? Or are you already looking at past? I mean, I realize you're, you've got a six month old, so, and you said you've got about a two year window, so you've got some time, but, um, do you kind of, can you predict yet what you're going to do? Um, I've got two projects in the works. Number one is I am trying to make um, kind of a toolkit for people who want to go into primary care law, either with me or on their own, so that no one has to do the same kind of um, research I did as to basic tools, how to like create a law practice that, you know, makes sense in this budget frame, which is really tight. So primary care law toolkit is the first one. And the second is working on a monthly subscription service. The thing that I've realized is that there's some people who do want to say, yeah, talk to my attorney. I can easily charge some amount of money every month for people to be able to say that. Yeah. And trying to figure out what that is is my next kind of task. Very cool. And so it sounds like if other lawyers are interested, A, you're working on resources for them. Um, should we just have them email you if they're interested in knowing about that when it comes out or just connecting with you about this, this, uh, strategy? Absolutely. I would love to talk to anyone who wants to practice primary care law. At this point, I feel like it's one of those things where it's going to be easier the more people who are in it together. Yeah. Well, we will definitely stick that email address in the show notes. Um, did I neglect to ask you anything that I should have asked you about primary care law? Um, not, I will also send you my bare bones budget so people can look at some real numbers. Um, oh, very I cool. think that makes a difference. I think that'll be really and, helpful. Yeah. And I think that's everything I have written down except for one more thing, which is as lawyers, we do have a disadvantage in trying to implement this kind of system, which is we don't have systems forcing us to cooperate like medicine does, Yeah, which is why I'm trying to convince the attorneys that this is a good thing for our system as a whole. I don't know an attorney that wouldn't like somebody to do a little extra handholding for their clients. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and chatting about primary care law. I really appreciate it and uh, we will include your email address and your bare bones budget in our show notes. Thank you.
Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Thank you.